0: Christina Rea, and welcome to Breaking Out of Breaking In, a practical filmmaking podcast about taking your creative career into your own hands and making great work that gets seen without playing the Hollywood game or
1: at least while changing the rules. Hi, I'm Bree Castellini, your other co-host, and today we're talking to Amy Paula a film producer and host of the podcast Pink Among Men. This episode is part of our Women in Film podcasting crossover series. Without further ado, Amy, welcome to the show. Hey, 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 thanks for having me. So before we get into the, you know, crossover podcasting of it all, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? What kind of work do you make? Who
2: are you? Oh, the, deep, the <laughs> deepest question of it all. Uh so I am a I guess I'm an artist you guys like that is right isn't that so like you're <laughs> like oh a little kid in me was like so excited to say that one day um but I am a producer director I do write as well um I also host a podcast and own a production company called Pink Among Men uh which it, name is derived from you know, feeling different among many. And uh, I like to make sure that the work that I do and the collaborators that I do it with are representative of all different backgrounds, beliefs, you know, genders races diversity is very important to me it's honestly where I feel most comfortable I'm I'm not comfortable when I like walk on a set and I'm the only woman and it's a bunch of white men Uh, and unfortunately I have been there so that's where the name pink among men came from I literally you know had a conversation with a friend on one of those all white man sets and he was like one of the the nicer of the white men and he was like Mm -hmm. you know unfortunately that some of these guys are just like a giant walking like you know tampon slash like you're just like a pink crayon to them like you know like the you know that is what you are and I was like oh god I'm just like pink among men over here it's tough and then I was like oh I kind of like that name so that is a little bit about me my work spans from documentary to scripted I tend to focus uh, on my own when I'm you know able to choose the work and I'm not just doing it because someone has reached out to me I tend to like to work on stories that are about resilience uh, and finding power within oneself and within community, uh, which is kind of broad. You know, you can go in a lot of different directions there. But as I've been like analyzing, like what makes me tick between my super dramatic and then I also kind of lean into dark comedy, that is like sort of the niche of the work. And how I got into all of this mess is that I started out as an actor. So I really, you know, mm. as a producer and a director, I, I feel like I understand really what everyone has at stake. I've also camera PA'd in my days. Like I've tried to put my hands everywhere. I've location managed. But yeah, I started as an actor. I studied uh, as far away as Moscow, Russia at the Mahat Theater over there. And I'm just absolutely. fucking lutely love am i allowed to curse on this podcast I'm just- yes, yes absolutely, absolutely. Okay. fucking absolutely i absolutely abso- love this business i i say all the time it's like quite a shame that i've made my my like favorite my favoriteest hobby and passion like my career because then i also mm-hmm. have to like worry about like my bills and my rent and stuff like that so that's a little bit about me as the you know artist individual and founder of pink among men and then i also have the good fortune of line producing for major networks and production companies now which is how i you know support those endeavors too.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask Great, yeah. which Glad which you one of the 15 things you mentioned <laughs> is actually paying those bills, bills. It's the, or is
2: it all of it? I mean, it, it is kind of a mix of all of it. I have in the last few years been able to get paid for some of my directing work, you know, nothing to like, you know, brag about in terms oh. of like payment, but the line producing is really how I support, you know, my day-to-day life. But um, this has always kind of been my plan and they're, they are slowly starting to intersect and merge which I think, you know, probably for your listeners is like a good lesson too of, you know, there isn't, there isn't like one path, right? I do think there are, if you were to tell me you want to be a cinematographer, I definitely recommend that you, you know, get into some lighting departments as well as some camera departments, you know, kind of sprinkle out your experience. But for me, I just... I tried working like in restaurants while I was pursuing this career, and I tried working in you know fitness, too, while pursuing this career. And for me, the real benefit was actually just like working within the industry, you know, taking the most stressful job. Uh, was <laughs> <laughs> maybe not the best way to do it, but it has paid off in the last couple of years in that the two roads are finally coming to a head almost, so... I feel very fortunate. Two,
1: road, two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and then they came back around on the other end. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's been, I feel really fortunate because this is something that, you know, when I say I, I was an actor, I started acting when I was like five, but my mom sure. was pulling me into auditions oh, wow. in the city and stuff like that. So, and my, you know, my bonding time with my family, we took trips to... Disney World and Universal Studios and went to the movies and like watched like you know Friday night TGIF you know we were very mm-hmm. much like that american family like we did all the things that capitalism shoved down our throat <laughs> <laughs> um but you know and i, I was talking about this in, earlier when i mentioned i watched you know Titanic last night like That was a movie that was, like, an event at the box office. Like, it lasted for months. It, like, you know, it was, like, impossible to get a ticket when it first opened. I I feel like I have, like, a lot of those, like memories is like the foundation of like why I still keep at it because I just I loved 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 experiencing that as an adolescent
1: it's a really lovely way to start so you started your career in New York City is that right yeah yeah and then recently moved to to Los Angeles in September you said yeah
2: of last year I moved in the height of the pandemic to work for a company called participant media they do a lot of really great work and I fortunately was able to after my full-time role ended with them, I produced a co-executive produced, actually. I, I did a lot for that show, so I was able to get that nice credit for the first time. A YouTube originals series that was slightly scripted. It was for kids, which somehow, <laughs> somehow my pandemic lifeboat became kids programming. I'll just say this. I guess it's
1: <laughs> we needed a lot more of it during the pandemic. Yeah, parents, you're
2: welcome. <laughs> I hope to <laughs> <laughs> working with kids is great. I'd really I just it's not like I, I definitely want to start tiptoeing away from it. I'm like, cool guys, mm-hmm. thanks for having me.
1: <laughs> I miss I miss the adults.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's fair. <laughs> yeah. So uh other obviously moving to LA mid pandemic has been weird. I just moved here like three or four months ago. Wait, so, you're like, in I'm LA? Also, I am, oh, I'm in Burbank. Stop it. <laughs> like just got here. I know need to so hang I'm, out. Absolutely. But as a new resident to Los Angeles, who's also still here during pandemic, you still have to wear a mask everywhere, mm-hmm. even if you're vaccinated. How have you been finding it? How, how has that move been? How is this how is it different here than than in your old locale?
2: Oh, wow. Um, well, I would say in the last like three months, I'm starting to really like it here. I spent the first year talking to my husband every day about moving back. <laughs> oh. oh no! It's different. Let me tell you that it's just different. It's. I actually am very glad that I didn't start here. I okay. don't think LA is actually where I would recommend. If you, if you, depending on what you want to do, if you want to be an agent, yes, come here. <laughs> you know, but. I uh, if you if you want a TV right I think there's a point where you absolutely need to live here right like I don't think that that's not actually true one of my very best friends Heather Taylor who I believe yeah. you might both know she lives in New York and she's a TV writer and she's a phenomenal individual um, but I feel like New York is just such a great place to build community and to um, figure out your voice and figure out what kind of artist you want to be and i feel like if when you come to la you have to remember that there is a population of individuals here who are going to live into the stereotype of hollywood of the like fakeness and the hustling mm-hmm. and the constantly just wanting to be like oh you know like a, a name dropper <laughs> and topper if you will
0: yeah Sure.
2: Mm -hmm. So I miss the community aspect of New York. I miss like, you know, being able to just be out in the streets and experiencing art. You really have to like seek out communities here. And there are few and far between because everyone is really head down on what they're doing. But at the same time, you know, I've been, I've been on the East coast uh, or at the point that we moved here for 35, 36 years. So for me, there was like part of that sort of like life and also anxiety behind me and I feel like here now I'm able to take like the tools and know who I am and be comfortable in my own skin. And that makes it a lot easier to be here.
1: That makes sense. I wonder if it's because New York, even though it's obviously a very like creative city, for at least the media industry, still kind of feels separate. So you have like this almost safety where, you know, potential isn't around every single corner. It's just a place to experiment. But in LA, you know, everyone you meet is like, do you have a job? Do you have a job for me? Can you recommend me? And like that's not as much of a thing in New York because there just aren't as many jobs. Literally really there do you I don't know that maybe that's a just a wild speculation but I've been thinking about that a lot because I agree also this would be a terrifying place to develop my voice because it's just like who should I sell out to next versus this is who I am yeah
2: yeah I agree I agree with that statement I also I like to bring an example from the I said earlier I do a lot in like dark comedy I would Mm -hmm. say one of my biggest hobbies is going to comedy clubs I just love Listening to comedians. And, you know, back in New York, there's a real, like, indie alternative comedy scene. And and there's big names. Like, I can name some huge – well, to me, they're huge, I guess. And to New York City and to some of the comedy industry, you know, they they make their money off of being a stand-up comedian. But out here, you go to any of the clubs – I mean, there's only, like – actual clubs there aren't these like a lot of alternative venues like getting a lot of um and of course the pandemic obviously changed probably some of this too but there's not a night that there isn't a lineup of like with jay leno in it
0: Hmm.
2: right like i was looking at um i go to the improv in hollywood a lot hollywood improv i love that theater of the like corporate venues out here i feel like they're like The grittiest and i say that with like a lot of heart if anyone from hollywood (laughs) improv is listening to this right now (laughs) but the other night on a tuesday they had brett goldstein and natasha leggero and elijah schleisinger and i mean we're talking like heavy hitters was the entire lineup Wow. So that's good. That's the also kind of the thing that I mean of like, you know, you can, because the anxiety part of this business, or at least for me, and that whole like self-comparison part of this business, mm-hmm. which I think you can't deny it's there. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, it's really hard to justify it out here because like, yeah, they're shooting Barry actually outside my house right now. <laughs> like, <that's, laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like Bill Hader's like down the block, just mm-hmm. doing his thing. Making his magnificent show that I'm so excited for it to come back on. But that's, I mean, but like, there's like, you know, there is so much of that happening. But at the same time, once you can get over all of that, which I think I totally encourage to do in smaller markets you come here and it's there are sort of like unparalleled connections that you can make.
1: That's really yeah, that's a that's a cool way of thinking about it. And yeah, I remember when I was first like, I was in the middle of grad school in New York and talking to somebody out in LA. And I was like, when do you think I should move? And she's like, honestly, not for a while, because she was like, I moved out here super, super soon after school. And I was just lost. And I had all these connections back in, um, I think she was from Texas. And she was like, yeah, I had all these Texas connections of people that I went to school with and making work with and I just left and they're all still making work and I'm out here like can't get a freaking audition so I wish I had you know spent more time developing my work, getting stuff made, building a portfolio, and then moved out when like I had a bulk of work to prove myself rather than just being one more person who has no idea what they're doing. Uh, and I i have always treasured that advice. And I'm glad that I stayed in New York for as long as I did before I moved here. And it sounds like you're reflecting that that same advice.
2: Yeah, definitely. And and I don't know if I'm here forever. I'll I'll throw that back out there. Like I, I, I come from I grew up in North Jersey, which is why I was able to start acting at such a young age. Because you know, we were we could you know see the city skyline. My mom would be like, "Let's go to Broadway. Mm-hmm. Let's do this <laughs> stuff. Let's do that stuff." So I do I have just such a soft spot and I'm lucky that I can call that area home. Okay, cool. Well, so let's let's talk about podcasting. Yeah.
1: You are one of many of our our favorite women in film who also has a podcast. So tell
2: us about it. Can you tell us in two sentences what is the Pink Among Men podcast? So the Pink Among Men podcast is conversations with creators about what motivates them and their work. So we really dive into the impetus of inspiration and why people do what they do. And we do try to focus too as well on on what they are working on at the moment. Um, and we are very strict on our guests and who we can have on um, in terms of criteria. So we focus on uh, women and in the LGBTQ community mostly, people of color and really anyone that's living on the margins of this industry that is still so shockingly dominated by old white men.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I love that because I think that like it's a cliche among writers that like anytime you're at a QA, and a a question you're going to get from the audience is where do you get your ideas? And like, I think we all turn our nose up at that. But I like that that's a central part of your podcast. That it's like, no, it's about the work. We can talk about the industry to death. And I, I love that it seems like and correct me if I'm wrong, your goal and mission is to remind people why we love to do this.
2: A little bit. Yeah, I'm also I you know, as a Maker, I'm super fascinated on the why. Um, I love oh. development. I love learning about what motivates people. A lot of my work as a director has been very process oriented. I know my film Amy D screened at IndieWorks in mm-hmm. 2019. I won the best director award. No big yeah. deal. <laughs> um, but that film um, was very much like a process, and there was a lot of like why behind it. And I could talk at end about it and I won't do that here because we're here to focus on something else (laughs) so that was a lot of why I I started the podcast and doing a deep dive and just to relate it back to you know some of what we're talking about too about like breaking out of breaking in I also was really disappointed I mean my production company started with this podcast like the name pink among men was just going to be a podcast and I was just so frustrated of because like, I I went away from New York for a little bit and lived in Boston and produced up there while I was in grad school. My second attempt at grad school. My first attempt at grad school was to get an MFA in acting. Which that trip to Russia, they told me at twenty six, I was too old to be an actor. Oh, the Russians! Oh my God! Oh, the <laughs> Russians! Um, oh my God! So I got back from that experience and like was having kind of a moment. I ended up going to Emerson for my MFA, but I taught while I was there too. And then I went back to New York and my way in was through a lot of uh, folks that I knew when I was younger. And a lot of them were, were dudes who I'm no longer friends with because of these experiences. But I was just frustrated that like every set I was working on, I just wasn't meeting creatives I wanted to work with. So I started the podcast for that mere selfish reason of like wanting to (laughs) network and wanting to be able to talk with people that I wanted to have conversations with, with the hopes of eventually collaborating maybe too down the road. And I have, I've now collaborated with three of my guests that I have. Wow, Um, that's great. So it's, it has kind of been self-informing. We're about to start our next season. I did take a little bit of a hiatus. You know, I, I had to ask myself, well, during the pandemic, first of all, like keeping up with the podcast, I started doing it every week, which is a lot for myself Mm -hmm. and my one producer, as I'm sure you guys know, it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And I also, I got to a point and we had some incredible guests in our last season. I got to talk with Eliza Hittman. I got to talk with Gabrielle Ruiz. I got to talk with Rain Valdez, who is, I believe only the second trans woman to ever be nominated for an Emmy and the first Asian woman, Asian trans woman to be nominated for an Emmy. And But there came a point during you know, the last season where I, I had to stop and say, like, I really need to kind of reassess before we jump into the next season, my place as a white woman having some of these conversations too. And I think we figured it out. <laughs> So I'm excited to start up again, but I have gotten, you know, to a point where I want to figure out like how the conversations can inform others with tools, not so much on like the industry, but just on like Mm -hmm. your own self-discovery because I think that that is something too that like some you know I've seen some artists and makers like not do that work and I feel like it's really important to do.
1: Totally. Mm-hmm. Do you mind sharing like the the sort of internal self-reflection that you've been doing that you're leading into your your next podcast season with because that is very interesting in, and yeah. uh point of view that I'm very curious about. Yeah,
2: I've been, you know, without wanting to put too much work on my guests, I really want them to kind of be the guide of the conversations i explored you know bringing in another host but that to me also felt a little bit more like here we go like put them here um Mm -hmm. you know like we're just gonna like position a woman of color next to my face and that'll solve it all and i feel like Mm -hmm. that has actually been a little counterproductive over the years you know there's a lot of like you know color washing and scripts where you know you're just like oh well just like that character was written this way but we can like throw you know a, a black woman in that role and it's like yeah are you really analyzing the world around her and how that affects what she's right. doing you know like
0: mm-hmm. i don't know if you
2: saw the new bond film mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no i didn't i mean it was heartbreaking but you know there there's a new 007 and she's a woman of color and there's this, mm-hmm. like, I'm spoiling it. Sorry, guys. There's this, like, scene where she, like, asks for permission to give back the 007 number to James Bond. And I was like, hell fucking no. <laughs> like, no. Mm-mm. That wouldn't happen. Anyways, I'm digressing. Yeah. But uh, coming up with a structure where the there's a little bit more put into, like, a, a pre-interview where the subject matter and the conversation is really being guided by the guest. And I'm merely just like soaking, the yes, soaking it in mm-hmm. and learning. So that's, that's how I was able to tackle that one. And we'll see if it works.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a, a valuable thing to be thinking about, and it's something that I wish more people in this industry who are in charge we're considering
2: yeah and keeping them really like you know that and then asking people to do work for you like in keeping it also like like a 15 20 minute episode before I was having conversations and I love I could talk for hours with a lot of my guests I I hours like hours and hours and hours (laughs) that's where we're going with that and I'm I'm really excited I've I love podcasting so, 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 so much.
1: So yeah, let's, let's get into, to podcasting. So like, is, is there something you've like learned about the film industry that you've only gotten through podcasting? Like how has podcasting been informing your like, you know,
2: film passions? That's a really good question. Gosh, I feel like one of the things that I've, taken away from some of my guests is just their laser focus on like their their one thing that they were you know working on at the moment or like how they they got to where they were with their their project that they were talking about with us I'll take Eliza Hittman as an example because she's one of my inspirations as a filmmaker I just like love how she handles camera and how she lets the actors just sort of like breathe in the moment and you know she'll spend like three years just like researching and traveling around and meeting with characters that she thinks are going to inform this story and then buckles Mm -hmm. down and like writes the script and she's really adamant about taking three to four years per film wow wow which i found to be just like wow your patience (laughs) that is like wow what a lesson I also feel like I've I've just learned like really owning who you are right like it's kind of like I related to like my studies as an actor like the the biggest secret of acting after lots of years and wasted money many 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 theater programs was like oh you're just gonna be yourself in the given circumstances (laughs) cool like that's the whole like once you blow that lid off you're like wow yeah it is about like loving yourself and owning who you are and I feel like every single person that came onto the podcast especially during the pandemic where we got you know some of our biggest guests and had some of our best conversations that was like that was their thing they like just knew who they were, knew what they wanted to say, knew what they were doing with what they were working on. And, you know, some not taking their time, some taking their time, you know, I think Eliza's process is just really fascinating to me. Like I said, I'm very fascinated by the why. And, but podcasting further from that has helped me, you know, in my filmmaking career, just because it is so important that we keep talking to each other about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like it's one thing to like go in your hole and create, so like, opening up the, like, kind of box and showing the inside of, like, how it's done or where your heads are at and how creation happens, I think, is how we're going to keep fueling this creative economy and keep supporting indie makers and, and individuals who don't have the same access granted to them when they're born into a, you know, a mm-hmm. really prestigious filmmaking family, like, you know, like like the Coppola family or anything like that. Like, you know, we're not born with those like magical last names. Um, I think that's really important. And that's, I was granted also opportunities to like speak on panels at film festivals by launching the podcast. And I think it kind of goes back to like another lesson too, which is like, there's a lot of people out there who want to do this content creation, media creation, filmmaking, podcasting, you know, and, um, you got to kind of create your own, you got to create your own like thing, right? You have to have some sort mm-hmm. of portfolio and body of work to point to people. I hate to say it like that, but you do. And unfortunately there are some barriers, you know, but there's a lot of like ways to, you know, we all have like headphones on right now and an editor that's going to be doing this. I have my podcast mic out, but you know, zoom is free and it's, you know, for 40 minutes that you can have it. You could potentially just, if you have a computer, which I hope you do, if you don't go to the library or like, you know, hit me up, I'll help you find one. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you could be having these like conversations and putting out your own work too. Um, The other fascinating thing I learned is how many people are putting together TV pilots as podcasts and Mm -hmm. using that as a way to solidify as intellectual property. And I mean, not getting a ton of downloads, and still selling the rights to said pilot.
1: What does that process look like especially if you're not building an audience with it? It's
2: about casting as as unfortunately most yeah. things are, but you know, I know a group of comedians in New York that sold a podcast that way. I feel like it's a great tool, you know, the same way like having like a staged reading is. And it's sort of like goes back to a methodology called like the minimum viable product. And, you know, I think about that with short films, too. It's like, okay, I want to create this short that's going to be a feature eventually. What's the Hmm. simplest way I can tell the essence of this story without having to, you know, uh, which I believe, like, both of you are doing that, too, like, you know, in the sense of, like, collaboration with, like, the people that you work with right it's like getting together and like thinking about okay mm-hmm. we have this one location right we have access to this camera like how are we going to put this together to like telefilm and
0: mm-hmm. so i think
2: for making like a, a pilot that becomes a podcast it's sort of the same thing like what performers do i have access to how much of their time do i really need right how can i keep this at as simple for them as possible right because we can all do this remotely now Um, Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. and be able to use this as part of a package to go out there and sell and pitch my work. So that was something else that I kind of learned, but I didn't get there because I was like, searching for it. I sort of stumbled upon that I got the opportunity to speak on a panel at the Female Voices Rock Film Festival that was about podcasting and talking with other Writers in the podcasting genre, which it's a lot. I mean, a lot of TV writers are, are podcast writers. Like it's there's mm-hmm. few and far between sole podcast writers out there. Like a lot of people are sort of playing with both formats, which I think is really interesting, and I think it's like very telling of like what the podcast medium could be. So when you s- when you say that
1: they're selling – they're making their pilots as podcasts and getting them sold, are they selling them as narrative podcasts or are they getting it sold as the true form, like the TV show, the movie?
2: Both. Um, both. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, any kind of agent or production company that's going to like take on something like that is going to hopefully do the smart thing and try to get the – you know, the rights in terms of all formats, theatrical, broadcast, new media, podcasting, et cetera, and so forth. But if you're going to lean on this method to pitch your pilot out, I think you do need to do a little bit of marketing, right? For what you're putting together, but not a ton. And from there, you can also figure out who the audience is and know who to take the project to. So it's like a little bit of like, you know, uh, I mean, development, right? Like R&D. Research and development using it that way, but yeah, I've I do know of a couple of folks who are solely just looking to create pod like audio podcast drama podcasts these days, and I do also know some folks that are using the medium to sell the projects for TV. And I think a lot of the podcasts crossover. You know, you look at like the true crime genre. That's like a great example. You know, yeah. Dirty John and whatnot. It's like even the word of mouth of like oh, this podcast got sold, the rights of it got sold for like a TV show. Like that's enough for me to now want to go listen to the podcast. Like I'm not the only one out right. there that loves to look at source material, right? Like we're all kind of yeah. like, you know, hyperlinking researchers these days with how the internet has trained our brain. So I think it's a, a mm-hmm. wonderful way. And there's like almost no excuses because everyone can like sit at home and do it so you know I encourage folks to really like take charge and use this you know the accessibility of podcasting to help their film careers or really whatever you're doing if you want to be a financial expert if you want to like you know cultivate your audience and for cooking or interior design like you know Mm -hmm. there's like definitely it's just really accessible for both creators audiences. That's really great. So I'm wondering if
0: you have like, what are three episodes that come to mind of your podcast that you think people, if they've never listened before, but they, you want to give them like the best ones that give them a taste of what it is as a whole, which ones would you recommend?
2: Okay. I definitely recommend... My conversation with Emma Seligman, uh, which is an episode with her and oh Natasha Kramani from 2020. It was our South by Southwest episode, uh, which we all know South by Southwest didn't really happen that year. Mm -hmm. But Shiva Baby was a topic of conversation, and Emma is just really phenomenal, Uh, really, really phenomenal. So is Natasha, but they have two wildly different perspectives on how they – approached their work and what inspired them and how they got there, you know, got to where they were with what they were working on at the moment. And I I do think that that is a great episode to take a listen to.
0: It's cool. I really loved Shiba Baby. I saw that. Oh, good,
2: right? Yeah, so good. I encourage the episode with Rain Valdez as well. She came on to speak about her web series, which she did her own for your consideration uh campaign and and wound up with a nomination so i i find that episode to be really special she was also featured in documentary uh disclosure which came out around the time that we were speaking as well so i i really really loved that conversation it was a lot of me you know nodding i was just so blown away by her tenacity like the to do your own FYC campaign for Mm -hmm. a web-based project is like not a small undertaking. And she was just like, fuck it, we're going to do it. And I believe their timeline was also pretty condensed too. Like they did it very quickly. You said three, right? I'm like, Oh my God, there's so many. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, My conversation with Eliza Hitman was great. I will say I was so nervous. It was probably the most nervous I've ever been for an interview. So I can't promise that I'm on my best game, but she was phenomenal.
1: (laughs) I mean, of course, everyone, just go listen to the whole podcast. But the ones that we call out specifically, they will definitely be in our episode description. I mean, the episode uh, I did with you guys was also
2: really great. The one where you came on to talk about a a donkey. I also spoke with the – I did an episode when we were kind of experimenting with format a little bit with multiple individuals that worked on the independent film The Surrogate which was directed by Jeremy Hirsch. Um, cinematographer Mia Coffee henry came on, and Jasmine Batchelor, who played the lead in that film, also came on to speak about their process. So that's a little bit more of a process-oriented episode that I, I definitely recommend as well. Oh, one last one I'll say, my conversation with Brittany Gooden, who is a documentary filmmaker who, making a personal film, she's still making it, she was kind enough to come on to discuss it, while she was in the throes of like she had just put out a trailer for the film and made it really public and talking about the process behind uh, not only her inspiration, which is very personal and related to her family, but also the process of like putting the trailer out and then getting like lots of attention for it and shopping the idea around that way. That's another super great one that I think focuses on, I mean, a very personal situation during a, a time where we were, it was right after the george floyd protests in new york and she was really open with her story about her uncle who was found hanging from a tree up in upstate new york and was essentially doing the investigation because it was it was named a suicide and a lot of her family and people in the town don't don't think that that's true um, and some of the evidence that she, she puts forth in the trailer definitely, definitely raises some eyebrows. So, uh, that's also a really great conversation I think to check out.
1: Yeah. That's um, a, definitely. it's a good, you know, kind of pick your poison. What, what thing yeah. 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 are you looking to explore right and now? The, there's and there's like, some
2: funny there's ones there. out there. I think one of the things to <laughs> point out is that, you know, I'm, I'm very tongue in cheek and I, I tried to make these conversations as approachable as possible and there are some too where it's like comedy is sort of like the big focus. Like I said, I am a comedy nerd. So I did have a bunch of comedians on throughout too. So there's like Mm -hmm. a lot of these conversations peppered with some that are just, really silly.
1: I do really want to ask uh, all the people in this series uh, about like the format and form of podcasting. So from your perspective, Amy, like, what is the format of your podcast? How do you approach prepping for an episode? How do you approach like making each episode feel consistent? Like what is what is
2: your Mm. literal format? I am like a stalker. Like I'm like that creepy, (laughs) like I'm about to go on a date with someone and I am looking at things that they probably don't know I've found. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's my my process. So Pink Among Men is going to change as we launch our third season. But in the past, it's been really freeform conversations, very much like we're having right now, which I really enjoy because Mm -hmm. I feel like that's how you, it's just such a great way to get folks not to be rehearsed, which I think is really, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, it was just more profound, right? Like you can get more out of that, I think. So yeah. for me, I'd have to do a lot of research leading up to the interview. I did have some guests that, you know, had publicists and would ask for questions in advance. And I would always politely say like, look, here are the questions, but just know that their answers are going to prompt me to ask follow-up questions Mm -hmm. and you know for me it it was at least welcome because I would always be talking more about like you know the work and not focusing on like who are you dating and like you know what's gonna (laughs) happen next but the for me it's just it's research I feel like you should know everything about this person that you're about to engage in a conversation with that you can find out without like you know peering through their window (laughs) (laughs) and being a little weirdo, but you should know, you know, where they got their start, where they're from. I've read other interviews. Like that was another way that I would get in. And if I saw something missing in the interview, I'd be like, wait, why, why wouldn't this journalist ask this question? Like, that seems like such a great space to open up that conversation. Um, and so then I would go there. I would ask those questions that I wanted to Mm -hmm. see, you know that I wanted to read when people are, you know, in IndieWire and all these other like publications that would talk about their work and stuff. I'd wanna, I'd want them to go like a step further. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I know from doing PR I many many years ago how like curated a lot of that stuff is. So that was my process for me doing a lot of a lot of research. I did, as time went on, found that there were certain guests where like a pre-interview worked really well, like, you know, hopping on the phone with them for like 10 minutes and just being like, Hey, this is who I am. This is what we're going to focus on. And, you know, do you have any questions? Is there anything you really want to focus on or want to talk about? Is there anything you don't want to talk about? Like, I do want to respect that, like, some people don't want to open up, you know, their toolbox too, too, too much. But that, that was really it for me, you know, it's, there are, you know, going forward a little, few more rules in terms of like, yeah, we have a format, like, you know, we keep the opening at this, we keep this section at this kind of length, and we close out with something like this, because, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that there are certain audiences out there who expect, you know, they like the expectation of like, okay, we're gonna hit this beat and hit that beat and hit this beat. But that mm-hmm. was really it for me. So if it was like a musician, I'd listen to their entire album too. I'd watch the movie. I'd watch the show. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I definitely – I had to do a lot of homework at, at certain points for sure.
0: I remember when I was on, I was so impressed with, yeah, how deep you had gone <laughs> because I've been on a ton of podcasts where I feel like they didn't even watch anything I've ever made. Oh, you, yeah. It's like, you can tell. Like, <laughs> you <yeah>. can tell. <laughs> but – but you like had such, yeah, such specific details. I was very,
2: as a guest, I appreciate it. Oh, thank it. you. I'm glad to hear that. I think people have enjoyed conversing. Like I think they have. And it's been nice. I've gotten like notes from, you know, folks I don't know saying that they love the podcast. Mm-hmm. One, one great moment for me was a, a friend of mine back in film shop in New York, the chapter that I used to be in before I moved to Los Angeles, they were doing like a, round robin of recommendations and someone was like there's this great podcast called pink among men and had no idea that i was also part of like the film shop community and i thought that that was really like like, oh yay because again like i i didn't start the podcast to become a podcaster Mm -hmm. sure i started it because i wanted to converse with and meet people that i wanted to you know i didn't care if anyone listened to it It didn't matter to me we didn't have we we did do some ad breaks towards the last end of last season. But yeah, I just wanted to talk to rad people. That's like all all I wanted to do with it. So then
1: with that, the the question I was going to ask is even more logistically, like, what is it that makes one of your episodes come out? So like you mentioned, you have a producer. Mm -hmm. So like, what is the what is the logistical process of like, this is what it takes to put out an episode of Pink on (sighs) Men? pre-pandemic
2: and post-pandemic, two different conversations. Sure. So I did, I Fair used enough. to, I used to record out of Gotham Podcast Studio, which mm-hmm. I believe we recorded your episode there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. did. I loved working there. I loved doing podcasts in person. I mean, that was part of like yeah. the magic of it all. We were also starting to do video outputs around that time too, that we were in there, but you know, pivoting to Zoom, it's a little bit of a different process. So my producer and I will make like a hit list of uh, individuals that we want to reach out to. Sometimes we were getting folks reaching out to us. Sometimes it was like you know through connection, or like I would see something cool scrolling on Instagram, or I would like learn of something through a newsletter, and I'd be like forward it off and be like, I want to talk to this person. So it's really like a, yes, like it's like a list of like people I want to talk to. And then we have like an outreach, like pitch letter that we send around with like a one sheet of information on uh, some of our demographics that we've been able to learn about from the platform that we publish off of, you know, some other guest names that we've had on the podcast and their credits, especially as, you know, as time went on and, the individuals like the credits got bigger and bigger and bigger that became an important tool because like yeah like don't get me wrong i love talking and i think that's one of the things i liked about my about pink among men too and still love is that i'm talking to creators who are doing short films and coming out on the festival circuit and then i also have like you know an eliza hitman who's getting nominated in for best you know best Films are getting talked about on Oscar shortlists and has won Sundance. You know, I think I think that's kind of the beauty of this is that, like, there's a mix of, like, range of where people are at in their careers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would love to have these kind of conversations with, like, a Chloe Zhao or someone, you know. Like, I would – that would be awesome. Truly mm-hmm. awesome. But, yeah, that's, that's sort of the process. And then pick a time and we log on and we do it. I – would play around with when I would do my pre-records based on who, you know, uh, who we were having conversations with or what the tone of the episode would be. Sure. That became like a big consideration over the last year. You know, if we were diving into, for example, the conversation that I referenced before with Brittany Gooden, you know, I'm not going to open up with like, Hey folks, it's pink among men. Like we're here, you know, (laughs) it just, it, it didn't really, It didn't, the transition didn't feel totally right. Mm -hmm. Sure. So that became also something for us to look at.
1: So then is your producer like in, you know, like muted on the Zoom call? And like, is she like sending you notes? Like, oh, you should follow up on that. Like, what is her role in the behind the scenes? So
2: Lauren Flack... Um, who I think you might know her name Uh, she's a New York filmmaker as well it would depend on you know if she could or not she was of course doing this on top of her career and her endeavors in filmmaking as well but yeah every once in a while taking notes you know kind of really drilling down especially if the conversation which very frequently with me (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> would like run
2: over or you know kind of tangent in something and for a while i was editing myself i'm not gonna lie and then i finally brought on an editor <laughs> and, I, and uh the editor and i would work together too and she would be like do you want to keep this section because it kind of rambles you want to cut here you know like spend over like kind of a editorial notes and thoughts yeah that's kind of my process behind it it's a it's a little bit more like loosey-goosey than than i think it appears on the outside
1: I think that that's the trick. I mean, that's the trick with all indie productions, whether it's podcast or film, is that that's it's right. supposed to look like it took a lot
2: more people and, I'll, you know. And there's definitely, if you're t- coming to me and you're like, I want to do a comedy podcast. And I'm like, okay, you, n- you need a format. <laughs> like, you actually right. you, <laughs> you need to, like, drill down, like, this is what we open with, then we riff on this, then we close with this or we move to this segment but I you know this podcast for me you know everyone's sort of coming out of the pandemic shell you know we're still in a pandemic but at least coming out of the phase of like sitting around and worrying and stressing
1: washing your groceries yeah all that stuff gosh
2: man I was living in like a 600 square foot apartment when that happened crazy to think about feels Mm -hmm. like a lifetime ago but doing the podcast was such a lifeboat for me at that point in time, because, you know, I had gotten laid off for my permalance job at Comedy Central and had nothing going on in New York, as many people did. I There was a time where I, I didn't know if production would ever Like, I I had those, like, thoughts, like, are we ever going to go back to production?
1: Really quickly, because I also used to work for Viacom, can you define permalance for anyone who might not
2: be familiar with that term? Oh, yes, permalance. You know, that's actually, it's really not legal here in the state of California that has No, it's super not. (laughs) It shouldn't Um, be illegal anywhere. It shouldn't be. So permalance is essentially a freelance contract where you are indebted forever. I'm just kidding. You're not. But you're (laughs) you're on contract for a very long period of time. You just don't get benefits. You might be able to get them through the payroll company that's paying you. It's really like, you know, they contract you out through like a third party employee that uh, employer, excuse me, that technically is your employer, but you do the work for this other company. Gosh. And that is like a staple in New York. I sadly Mm -hmm. knew folks at Viacom who had been there for five to seven years. This balance
1: individual I knew somebody when I started working at MTV because I was an intern, then I was a temp, and then I got hired, Permalance, uh, as an associate producer for their digital department. And I met somebody on, like, my second day there because I was on three-month contracts. Mm-hmm. That was my contract. And I met someone who had was also on a three month contract had been so for a decade, they had been at the company, they had been promoted within the company, and were still on three month contracts. And then like a month after I got laid off, like most of the staff got laid off too. Because and laid off is even like a dramatic term for just no one's contracts got picked up. And because it was three months, it was not hard
2: to do a mass layoff that way without actually making it seem like you don't get the polite like two weeks you don't get any severance it's no it's it's actually uh, that happened to me at sports illustrated as well and there was a lot of folks Mm. there that also were in that same boat it's really in california now if you and this is like a really big piece of advice for anyone who is moving to california so there is a law here called ab5 which is essentially a law design that if a company is going to employ you as a freelancer and you make, let's say, X amount of dollars from them a year, they have to, according to AB5, the company that's employing you has to ha- legally, they have to hire you or they can't employ wow. you anymore. So out here, just having an LLC doesn't cut it. <laughs> Uh, Your loan out companies as individual makers need to be S-corps or C-corps. If you want to continue now, for me, I like having a little bit of detachment from some of the corporations that I'll work for because – you know, then I get to also work on my own work and justify the time that I'm putting into it and not feel like, Oh my God, this email's coming in. I need to respond to it right away. Unless I'm in production, then I do respond pretty quickly. But you know, that is something that I learned moving out here that just having my LLC as a loan out wasn't enough to get paid through that. So I definitely recommend that if you enjoy being freelance and you aren't looking for a full-time job with benefits, which, you know, that sounds really nice, <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: um,
2: but definitely get yourself together to organize an S corp or C corp. It's really easy. It was kind of, you know, a process to close down my New York one and open up one here, especially retaining the same name. I actually, in California, I'm technically pink among men productions. Mm-hmm. So, there you have it. <laughs> Long-winded permalance definition.
1: I mean, I think that's an important conversation
2: and one that I feel like has come
1: up before and will probably keep coming up because a big part of breaking out of breaking in is being really clear about like, you might be in, but are you in and like, let's make sure that we're all being honest and transparent with each other about what a lot of like coveted positions actually look like from the inside. And oftentimes, it's 10 years without benefits on a permalance basis, where you could get laid off without notice at any time for any reason. Oh, so. gosh, yeah, I could talk about this at length.
2: I mean, <laughs> you know, do I do I go there right now? Do you have the time? Do we have the time?
1: If you want to go there, if, go
2: yeah, there. Yeah,
0: we've got the time. I
2: mean, I feel like, you know, you got to really assess who you want to be in this business. Do you want to be a maker or a worker? And I say that very lovingly. And both are admirable and both are very fucking needed. And what kind of worker do you want to be? Because there are, you know, you're below the line crew. I just did a show, another Viacom one. <laughs> it was Nickelode- It was a Nickelodeon slime show. I was actually checking off a, a bucket list box of mine because like, who didn't grow up <laughs> on slime? And, you know, we had a 180 person crew. At some point, your job is very finite. On a hundred and eighty person crew in a way that like sure. making an indie film with your friends or uh with your friends with colleagues with anyone or, or a short film or a documentary isn't going to be right like there are uh, points where you're like, wow, the job is i mean it's tough it's hard the days are long, but you're doing this one thing this one 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 thing, and for me and my personality i f- Feel like I couldn't. That couldn't be me. I just could never be so specific that like I am. You know, I'm rigging. I'm. I'm. Mm-hmm. You know, doing things like that. That is just I. I can't. But some people want to want to do that, and that's great because we need those workers. And then there's the workers, you know, that work within these sort of institutions that keep the business afloat. And they're also very much needed and they range from everything from like social media management to like marketing creation to development and then internal productions. And when I say, if you want to be a worker or maker, I kind of think about it. It's like, do you, do you want to like go work for variety or do you want to be featured in variety? You know, Mm -hmm. like, do you want to like, do you want to go work for Amblin or do you want to direct an Amblin film? Because if you're working for them, odds are it's going to be very hard to eventually direct for them. There are a couple of individuals who, you know, like Kelly Edwards is a great example. Um, She actually just came out with a phenomenal book that I highly, highly recommend for TV writers called From the Executive Chair. Kelly Edwards was, you know, a talent executive at HBO, went back to Emerson, my alumni, what's up, (laughs) for her MFA in screenwriting. And now she has signed like a first look deal with HBO for her work get it Kelly amazing (laughs) right there are a few examples like that but odds are out of the like hundreds of thousands of people that are vying for either those internal positions or the the other like that kind of crossover isn't doesn't happen that often right it takes like a really tenacious special articulate laser focused individual I think to do that kind of stuff so that's that's where I say, like, kind of look at what you want to do, you know. And, of course, you can defy this piece of advice and prove me wrong. And I applaud and welcome that. But, you know, just kind of like what I've learned over the last 15 years of seeing the difference between, you know, I hate to say it, It's like the suits and the artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's important. I think that speaks to the heart of breaking out of breaking in. Because I, I think that there is always, you know, the inherent irony is that, like, in means a lot of different things, but ultimately, most of us want to be in. Mm-hmm. But being in and breaking in are oftentimes not the same thing. And it's worth really being honest with yourself about what it is you actually want. So I love the way that the the way you're thinking about it—the workers right. or the makers—and yeah. and how that both are necessary, both are valid, but both have very different paths ahead of them. Very, so. very.
2: I still consider myself breaking in for sure. Like I, I'm still there. I'm still on that like fine line I have an agent now and we're working together to create some pitches so that's like you know like I said I feel like the roads coming back full circle they're like <laughs> they're finally meeting somewhere but yeah that that's just the path I chose and I, I definitely consider myself more along the lines of one of the like below the line like workers on the set than I do like a worker within the executive context although I do front face interact with many executives, which with the role that I have chosen to do on set. So yeah,
1: sure. Um, I mean, that was, that was all the questions I had. Christina, do you have any final? Yeah, I don't have
0: anything else. Thank you so much. Thanks. This This was so fun. (laughs) I feel like I could talk to both
1: of you for hours. Yes. Any final words of wisdom from you before we read our outro?
2: You know, I think my last piece of advice would be something I said earlier, which is you have to create your own stuff. And I don't care if it's you making an Instagram video with your iPhone or a TikTok video or a podcast or a film or this and that, you have to do it. You have to create with other people. You have to, you know, you write something, send it to a friend, even if they're not in the industry, if you don't have any, like if you're just starting out, like you have to share your stuff with someone in order to, you know, break in and then for the folks you know, more in line, like the three of us, like, don't stop. Just don't stop. Because, you know, there are some wonderful examples out there of people who did their best work in their later life. And I cannot stand anything that's like 40 under 40 and 35 under 35 yeah. and all that bullshit. So those are my two big pieces of advice.
1: It'll take the time that it takes as long as you're making what you want to make.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, that did not intend to be that. a rhyming
2: statement but it became <laughs> one it was perfect
0: thanks so much to kelsey Rover for our theme music kaylee brown for our podcast art ezra lee for editing this episode and to all of you for listening links to learn more about them and amy are in our episode description and thank you to our booby VIPs who are $10 supporters on Patreon, Kim Garland, Amanda Blunt, Anthony Epp, Kelsey Rauber, Norman Steinberg, Jerry Marvia, and Brandy Nicole Payne.
1: If you want your name on that list, uh, or if you want to have access to our bonus resources related to each episode, you can subscribe to our Patreon for as little as $3 if you want all that bonus content, or as little as $1 if you just want to support us. And once again, that Patreon is patreon.com slash breakingoutpod.
0: you. You could join our free newsletter where we share a new creative prompt each month next episode we'll have special guest nor poji from creative distribution 101 podcast on so be sure to tune in